What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, hump day's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, and thank you so much for joining me. Today, I'm going to be kind of uh, having this episode set up a little bit differently, not in terms of how I deliver the content, but as of right now, as I'm recording this, the Red Sox are playing against the Rays at Fenway Park on YouTube, actually. Uh, this is the first YouTube aired game all season, and sports have kind of been dabbling with airing their games on YouTube, which is a, a smart play by each league that does it because YouTube is a monster of a entertainment platform. I mean, you got the YouTube videos that people post on there. You have, you know, live videos that people post on there. And just generally, oh, now you have YouTube TV as well. So to kind of bring just a game or so every now and then, maybe like once a week onto the YouTube platform, a lot of people use YouTube as, like I said, their TV or their entertainment, whether it's videos or watching people live, catching, you know, the latest news just in small little three minute clips, whatever it may be. So I think this is a smart play by baseball to kind of hop on this as well. You see football using Amazon, but I think YouTube is a better uh, route and avenue because you can click in, click out, stay up to date. And like I said, uh, all the other reasons why YouTube TV, it just really makes a lot of sense. And so I'm going to be watching the game as I do this podcast right now. And I promise not to get too distracted by what's going on. The top of the first inning just ended. Three up, three down for Nathan Eovaldi, who's on the mound today for the Sox. But right now it is a commercial break, so let me go over a few of the quick hits quick that hits. I have. First time in a long time for quick hits. quick hits. So as we all know, the All-Star game got moved from Atlanta due to the political legislation bill that passed. You know, I'm not going to go into it, but we all know that story. I covered it on Monday's episode. And today we have an announcement from MLB that the All-Star Game and the events, so the draft and whatever else is going on, has been moved to Colorado, to Denver, Colorado at Coors Field for the Rockies. So instead of the Braves, the Rockies will be hosting this year's MLB All-Star Game and the corresponding events. The last time we saw the All-Star Game in Colorado was in 1998, which is actually, fun fact, one year before the Red Sox hosted their All-Star Game in 1999. So with the Dodgers hosting in 2022, could we see the Red Sox hosting in 2023? Huh? Huh? (laughs) Anyways, so there's a report from the Denver Post that says MLB All-Star Games returned to, quote, fully packed Coors Field, an unexpected boon for Colorado. Um, Polis and Hancock both said Rockies owner Dick Monfront was, quote, dead focused on having the game moved from Atlanta to Denver. So... It seems like that Colorado is going to plan on having a full jam-packed stadium for the All-Star Game come July. I think this is a great move as long as it's done safely and cautiously, of course, following uh, COVID-19 protocols. It is an outdoor stadium. It is, you know, a mile above sea level, so you have to keep aware of that as well, of course. But you see Texas, they have, you know, a full stadium of fans, and I you haven't heard anything yet within just the first week or so of the brand new season. So good to see Denver, Colorado getting the All-Star game so I can now wipe the sweat off my forehead, praying and hoping that the Red Sox don't get the All-Star game this year. Another uh, little tidbit I want to talk about is Fernando Tatis Jr., who I think is the face of baseball, or at least on the verge of becoming so. He heads to the 10-day injured list with an injured shoulder. Now, 
He injured his shoulder not from making a you know diving catch or you know a throw or getting hit. He actually took a vicious swing on a pitch. I believe it was a curveball. He probably was expecting fastball and just caught him completely off guard, swinging for the fences because he thought that curveball was going to hang. Then it just kind of drops out of nowhere. And with that being said, he, you know he kind of injured his shoulder because right after the swing, he immediately, immediately goes down in complete pain and agony. He comes out of the game. And then just, you know, a day or so later, it says, you know, the report is he has an injured shoulder and he will be on the 10-day IL. So hopefully, as weird as that is, you know, injuring yourself on a vicious swing, hopefully he's okay and he can get back into the lineup very, very shortly. But it's so weird that a vicious swing is the cause of injury. You know what? He's putting 110% into the game. Ooh, Hernandez, ground ball to shortstop. So, yeah, I don't have the volume on for the Sox game because, you know, I'm not trying to catch a copyright, right? So, yes, then one more little tidbit we have for quick hits is that Paul Pierce, the Celtics legend and soon-to-be Hall of Famer, hopefully, got fired from ESPN. Now, the reason why he got fired from ESPN is because he posted, well, actually, he was on Instagram Live uh, you know, kind of, you know, doing his own little thing, whatever, you know, just recording a selfie, I guess, a self video, whatever you want to call it. And there was exotic dancers, aka strippers in the background. Uh, you know, I'm not obviously not going to show the video on, on YouTube because I, like I said, don't want to get in trouble for that. But you can kind of take a wild guess at what, you know, exotic dancers slash strippers may be doing, you know, with a group of guys probably spending a little bit of money you know you can't blame him he's gonna do what he wants sure whatever but you know he just had them you know the dancers were just kind of you know doing their own thing dancing away i'm sure you can pick up what i'm dropping and espn didn't like that so they fired him but paul pierce finally reacted to this news um yesterday night i'm sorry no monday night because this news dropped monday afternoon and he posted a video of him smiling and kind of chuckling and in the tweet, it says, big things coming soon. Stay tuned. Make sure you smile. Hashtag trust shall set you free. Interesting, interesting uh, response and reply to you getting fired for the biggest sporting network in like the world. But you know what? If there's big things coming, then let's see those big things coming, right? Let's see if, uh, you know, a couple strippers, you know, twerking their ass was worth big things, as he likes to say. But those are the quick hits, quick hits that I have for today. Let's check on the Red Sox. And speaking of the Red Sox, actually, that actually transitioned to my point or my next point about the Red Sox in general. So I do kind of want to brush upon the game that Kim and I went to on Monday. It was a great game. They won 11 to 2. And it was super entertaining. Holy crap. But it just sucked so bad that it was cold. It was freezing. It was supposed to be like low 60s, upper 50s. Meanwhile, it was just freezing. Oh my god, the wind didn't help. The just the cold, brisk air just did not help at all. Nonetheless, nonetheless. It was a grand old time to watch the Red Sox get their first win of the season in exciting electric fashion. I have part one of my Boston and Red Sox game vlog up on YouTube right now. 
uh, definitely go check it out. I will link that into the description of this YouTube video. Once the YouTube video of the vlog, um, the YouTube video of the podcast, excuse me, is up and live, definitely go check it out. It was a grand old time. Trust me, you know, plenty of funny moments. And if you like, if you like that stuff, definitely go check it out if it's for you. If not, then you know what? It's okay. I won't be hurt. Speaking about the Red Sox, I do kind of also want to talk about last night's game where they were losing for the majority of the game, one nothing, two one, three one, whatever it may be. And it was I didn't catch the whole game, obviously. I got the highlights because you know, I don't have cable, so I can't really watch the game. And with MLB.tv package, the stupid, stupid blackout restrictions. But nonetheless, let me just kind of briefly cover what happened last night. Um, Red Sox made history, uh, their own history last night. And with that history, for the first time in 67 years, the Red Sox came back from deficits in the 9th, 11th, and the 12th inning to eventually win a ball game. That hasn't happened in 67 years where the Red Sox have came back from three separate deficits in three separate innings in the ninth inning or later. That's pretty neat. That's pretty interesting. I mean, kind of odd, you know, little fact to keep track of, I guess. But, you know, that shows resiliency from the Red Sox, obviously, to not give up or not back down from anything. I mean, the offense was dormant all night. And then once it feels like it hits extra innings, they were like, boom, we're ready to go. Took them nine innings to wake up, but I'll take it nonetheless. I mean, they just, anytime they were down, it just felt like they weren't out. I don't know what it is. I mean, they couldn't score anything or do anything against the Orioles, but against the Rays, who are expected to be competitive, obviously they won't make it back to the World Series this year, but still, they were very competitive this year. Uh, the Rays are supposed to be competitive this year, and the Red Sox are playing so much better against them, and you could say that, you know, the first couple weeks of the season takes teams, you know, teams take time to get acclimated and such, which totally makes sense, Absolutely. Hopefully, the Red Sox are acclimated now so they can kind of start playing better baseball moving forward in the season. Speaking of which, um, playing better baseball right now, Red Sox are up in the bottom of the first inning, and there was a challenge on the field to see if the ball was caught or foul, I think. I'm not exactly sure, like, you know, because I'm bouncing in and out. What is Randy Orozarena wearing for pants? So are they trying to see if it was fan interference? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rosarena goes to reach into the foul, foul territory to catch a potential fly ball from J.D. Martinez, I believe, is at the plate. Who's at the plate right now? Yes, J.D. Martinez. And um, Rosarena puts his glove into the crowd. It hits a couple fans' arms. He argues for fan interference, which was the original call on the play. But... For those that don't know, the rule is if a player reaches into the crowd, that fan has the right to, I guess, go for the ball themselves. And if they interfere, they interfere. It's okay. If a fan reaches over the fence into the field and interferes, then that's fan interference and the runner is awarded a base. I think second base. I think it's awarded a double. But if it's fair, then it's... uh, um, a home run, obviously, if it's over the fence out there. But J.D. Martinez just grounded out to third base, so nothing really mattered. That is the end of the first inning. It is zero to 0-0 zero right now after one fresh inning. 
It's int- I like I like having the Red Sox game on while I'm doing this podcast. It just gives me something to kind of um, interject with, you know, during possible downtimes or you know maybe topics transitions between topics to topics. But anyway, speaking of transitioning to topics, right? Let's talk about the Bruins game last night. So both the Bruins and the Celtics played last night against a Philadelphia team. The Bruins were in Philadelphia playing the Flyers, and the uh, Celtics were at home playing against the 76ers. We will talk about the better game of the two, which was the Bruins' 4-2 win over the Flyers. Crucial win. I'll get to that in a second. But let's talk about um, Jeremy Swayman. So the Bruins had goalie Jeremy Swayman start his first NHL game. He is 22 years old, and he started in his first game last night, and I thought he played very, very well. So I got to a bar last night to get some food with Kim and a friend, and it was 2 nothing Bruins at the start of the second. I was like, all right, perfect. You know, we got a little lead, and you'll get some food coming. We're going to have a good time. And then early in the second second period, the Flyers score two goals, and I, I think in like a matter of a minute, maybe two. It was just like, boom, boom, two goals, and it, instantly it was two to two. It was like, what the hell happened, guys? I mean, obviously watching the Bruins, trying to have a conversation with some people, it was hard to kind of stay in tune. Plus, the Celtics were going on, so I think I missed the first goal. And then the second goal, I, you know, I see going, it's like, oh, what are we freaking doing? But nonetheless... Jeremy Swayman, besides that maybe couple minutes right there, was lights out. He played a phenomenal game. Uh, Let's see. He had 42 shots, and he saved 40 of them for a .952 save percentage, which obviously after one game, you know, two goals, absolutely take it. I would like to see more of him in the future, hopefully in the near future, because he looked really good. I mean, obviously being a young goaltender, he has some things that he needs to sharpen up on, as does any young player in any league just about. But I think he has a lot of potential there. Now, obviously, do I want him or Dan Vladar? That's a conversation for another day I'm not going to get into. But I really like what I see. I mean, both the Bruins goaltenders, Halak and Rask, are due at the, um, their contracts are up at the end of the season. Are they going to bring one back? Are they going to bring them both back? Are they going to bring none of them back? And, you know, getting some of these young goalies some playing time now will obviously give you some options for next season in terms of the goaltender's position. I do have a couple comments I want to say about you know Swayman's playing last night and he looked loose behind the net. I'm not in the behind the net in the net. He looked loose and wild, like you know he was really skating across in between the pipes. You know, being being very acrobatic back there. And yes, that's good for a goalie, but like you know, I like to see someone a little bit more tighter back there. You know, not so wild. You know, going after pucks and just like throwing their body all over the place. Obviously, there's a time and a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But just generally speaking, I feel like that can kind of uh, be a you know, disadvantage to a goaltender because there was one play where, you know, there was a puck going across. I think he like kind of dove for it and then it, like ricocheted and it almost went in on the backside of him. So it's like, you know, just kind of skate from pipe to pipe, you know, against the knee pads and, you know, make the acrobat acrobatic plays when necessary and the raise have two outs. I thought that was third out, but nope. Two outs in the second inning. Evaldi only had 21 pitches thus far, which is pretty good. Pretty good pace. But yeah, I just think the acrobats and the wildness needs to be conserved for, you know, another time and a place. It just, you know, relax back there. You know, it can be stressful. Don't get me wrong. But nonetheless, I think he did a great job back there. And I definitely would like to see more of Swayman in the near future. But moving 
Um, still staying with the Bruins, but moving to the offensive side of things, I think the Bruins looked really good overall. Obviously, scoring four goals is obviously nice. The defense looked really sharp and tight, only allowing two. But the majority of the night, they allowed zero, except that little, you know, quick little two, three minute span that they gave up those two goals to the Flyers. But overall, I think the Bruins looked really good. The one thing I do have to say about the Bruins though is their passing didn't look as sharp. And I've mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe like two weeks ago, that you know the Bruins were passing and their passes were so crisp and so clean. And obviously, different games you're gonna get different t- styles of play, different kinds of play, whatever it may be. And I just I don't know. I didn't think their passes were all too crisp. I, I thought they were kind of you know leaving the puck ahead, you know leaving the puck behind. It just I'd like to see you know the passes you know be you know a lot better from stick to stick. <sighs> Strike them out. Come on, I don't want to. This is like the fifth time they showed Kevin Cash, the manager of the Rays, and now he's drinking water. They're obviously probably talking about him, but like, all right, I get it. You know, Kevin Cash, 2020 manager of the year, A up for the American League, so what? All right, one two pitch. Joey Wendell, fly ball to center. Kiki, I know it's Kike, but I like saying Kiki. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? That should have been his walk up music, which it wasn't. Little upset about that. Anyways, I keep getting sidetracked from the Bruins game. Um, Bruins, Bergeron got a hat trick last night. Um, out of the four goals, he scores three of them. That's what's up. That's what's up. I mean, it's good to see, you know, Marshand and, you know, um, Pasternak doing a lot of scoring, but Bergeron, the captain, getting a hat trick. You love to see that. And you absolutely take that any day of the week. Standings are getting tighter. I'm telling you, they're getting tighter. The Bruins winning that game last night in regulation was crucial because therefore the Flyers don't get away with a sneaky point. The Rangers won as well. They crushed the um, the Penguins. So as of right now, the Rangers are technically in fifth place, but both the Rangers and the Flyers have 41 points. The Rangers are 6-3-1 in their last 10. You know They're playing a little sneaky hockey. Um, yes, with the Penguins losing last night, so they stay at 50 points and you winning, getting two points, moving up to 46, you're only four back. You're only four back from the Penguins and you still have three more games to play. Uh, your last 10, the Bruins are six, two and two. All right. We're looking pretty good in our last 10 and it's hard to gauge because, you know, those wins from when you were like five, four and one or, you know, four, four, four and two or whatever could have been early on. And now that you're, you know, getting a couple wins here and there, you know, just kind of bagging the wins, that last 10, you know, kind of, you know, those losses kind of push out and makes your last 10 look a lot better. But, you know, if you're 6-2-2 two, and two in your last 10, I will take that. So I mentioned at the beginning of the homestand, not the homestand, excuse me, at the beginning of April, April 1st, when they played the Penguins, they lost 4-1. to one. That day, I said that they need to win their next seven games leading up to the trade deadline. So far, they're 2-1-1. One, and one. They still need to get a few more wins to kind of hopefully, you know, appeal to that projection that I had moving into the trade deadline or approaching the trade deadline. And so far, so good. I mean, they have a tough game against the Capitals tomorrow on Thursday. Then on Saturday, they have another one against the Flyers in Philly. And then Sunday, they play at home to the Capitals on the 11th. I really think that they could win all three. If they're going to lose one, I could see it being that Capitals game tomorrow in Washington. But I don't think there's any excuse for them to not win two out of these three games. Now win. I'm not talking about getting an overtime loss and just kind of, you know, getting a pity point. I'm talking about a fat 
dub. And I really think, you know, if they can win two out of those three games, you'll be looking okay because that's going to be four additional points. Obviously, depending on what the Penguins can do, say they lose their next two or three games, you're just that much closer to the Penguins in terms of the standings. I really think the Bruins have a good chance to kind of push forward and make a good charge at, you know, those top three teams, the Capitals, the Islanders, and the Penguins. But if they can't win these next two out of three games, then should they even be talked about in contention for one of those top three seeds? I don't think so. But nonetheless, as it stands right now, I'm definitely going to enjoy that 4-2 win that the Bruins had. And I definitely want to take advantage of the fact that the Bruins are playing some pretty good hockey, I must say. I mean, they beat the Penguins 7-5. They lost to the Flyers in overtime. Ooh, geez, excuse me. Still get a point there. And then they won 4-2 again uh, last night, like I mentioned. So it's really going to be critical these next three games in terms of that 5-1-1 projection that I originally had for them at the beginning of April. But this is what it's all about being a sports fan. doesn't matter what sport, just a sports fan in general. You can pick a team, a league, whatever. But at this time of year, you know, things are really hot and heated right now, especially for the Bruins. You know, they can go on a hot streak and really get into it. They can go on a losing streak and just really be out of it. Bruins are deciding to, you know, hop on that hot streak. And trust me, I am enjoying every second of it. But let's hope that, you know, a couple wins here, you know, can can kind of push them forward a little bit and hopefully vault them into one of those top three seeds because I don't think that that one or two is out of the equation. I mean, the Capitals and Islanders share that at 54 points and you're at 46. That's only eight points back. In hockey, it's not about wins and losses. It's about points. And if you can go on a good winning streak here, you'll get points and you'll get them fast. So moving forward, like I mentioned, you have the Capitals in Washington tomorrow in Philadelphia against the Flyers on Saturday, and then back home for the Capitals on Sunday. After those stretch of games, I will kind of go over the next stretch for the Bruins. I don't want to jump ahead too much of myself because we do have the trade deadline on Monday after the Capitals game and before that th- uh, that Tuesday Sabres game where Buffalo comes into the Garden. So I want to see what the Bruins do as it comes to the trade deadline and just their approach. So I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself, like I said, because things could get shaken up. Things could stay the same. And depending on what happens, that's really going to change my outlook on the Bruins and the whole Eastern Division, to be honest, moving forward. So let's hope and pray that none of the top teams do anything and you can actually make a splash. Because if they make a move and you don't, ho, 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 man, forget about it. Seriously, you cannot let any of those teams... Go out there, make a move, and you don't make anything. I've seen that happen too many times with the Celtics. I've seen that happen with the Red Sox. Not so much in football, but also in hockey, you know, in years past as well. So let's just hope and pray that things can actually happen and the Bruins can make a good move out there, pushing their chips in the basket. Because I still think that it's a good, good opportunity that the Bruins have in front of them. I don't think there's a clear-cut number one favorite to win the Cup at all I think a lot of the good teams that are kind of on the top have a really good chance at doing so and Christian Vasquez just beat out a ground ball to avoid the double play like to see the speed from the um, the backstop keep the inning alive keep the oh there's only one out so the inning would have been alive either way but still you get the point anyways the Bruins 
They're uh, 20, 10, and 6 right now. They got six overtime losses. Ooh, so don't the Devils and the Sabres. That sucks. But hey, you know what? As long as those other teams aren't getting cheeky points, but you can look at them actually executing in regulation to get those points and those wins, and you're not. So like I said, go out, make a move, get a forward, get a defenseman, whatever you got to do, really make a splash. Show us. That you're serious about this year. Just like the Celtics in their trade deadline. I know I've mentioned this before. And I don't want to sound like a, you know, I'm beating you know, a, a dead horse here. But go out. Make a move. Show us that you're serious. And give us hope moving forward. Because if this team stays pat the way it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think this team can do it. The way that they're built and constructed as of now. Could be wrong. But we'll see. We'll just have to wait until the trade deadline and see what the Bruins do there. Hunter Renfro up at the plate. Zero balls, one strike. Oh, that was a bad swing, dude. That was a bad swing. Let's see. The YouTube TV, um, or not YouTube TV, but the YouTube um, broadcast is interviewing Martin Perez. Wish I knew what they were talking about. I could turn on closed captions, but... Or subtitles, as you know, people like to refer to them as. But eh, then I'll just be reading and be like, I'm reading a script, and I'd rather just kind of give you my thoughts in real time about it. I'll go to my next topic about the Celtics after Renfro's at bat. See what he does here. Avoids a curveball in the dirt. Good eye. Good pair of eyeballs. The draft is coming up for uh for football. It's like three weeks away now. What do we think the Patriots are going to do? A lot of speculation, you know, surround them that they can move up in the draft. They could stay pat. We're going to have to see. I'm not going to talk about the Patriots just yet. Later on in the episode, I will. But just something to keep uh, your, you know, keep your brain thinking about. Renfro, ground ball. Oh, it's going to be a double play. Yikes. Yep, double play ends the inning. You just absolutely hate to see that. So, done talking about the Bruins, and we're going to move on to the Boston Celtics. (sighs) I really thought that they could win last night's game. And it looked like they could have for a little bit. And, you know, in that second quarter, early in that second quarter, they looked like they could have won. But... I mean, it was 25-24 leaving the first quarter. Okay, whatever, in favor of the 76ers, whatever. Tied throughout the majority of the second quarter, but then the 76ers just go on a big tear, and they finish the quarter 34-22, and going into halftime with a 13-point lead. Completely doable, definitely not out of the equation, but the Celtics just started so slow out of the gates to start the second half in the third quarter. It was just almost disgusting. They just weren't doing anything. And Evan Fournier didn't play. Okay, so what? It still doesn't mean a damn thing that he does or doesn't play. And you could say that, the, oh, the Celtics traded for him. They re- they're relying on his offense. But are we really going to sit here and tell ourselves that the Celtics are relying on Evan Fournier's offense when you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Campbell Walker on your team? Like, I like the addition of Evan Fournier. I've mentioned that plenty of times on this podcast, but we're going to really rely on him to beat the 76ers. And now the 76ers are no laughing joke at all this year. They're one of the three best teams in the league, and they showed that last night that they are. 
But what about those other moves that you made to bring in Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner? Wagner, zero points in five minutes. Cornette, six points in 15 minutes. Like, come on. Yes, I know I said, just make a move. Show us that you're going to try and that you care and you're going to give this thing a shot this year to uh, try to win a championship. They did that. They made two trades, bringing in Cornette and Wagner, and they also brought in Fournier. But Fournier didn't play last night. And I know Cornette and Wagner aren't, you know, the best of players, but like, you just want to have a little bit of hope, a little bit of optimism, a little bit of pep, right? And think that the uh, the Celtics could actually, you know, make those three guys blend and mold into the Celtics team and the rotation to make this team better than they were before they made the trades. I don't think so. I don't think so. And yes, Evan Fournier playing last night would have given us better scoring opportunities or at least generated better scoring opportunities, sure. But you're at home in the middle of a long homestand and you still can't beat the 76ers. And I'm not saying beating the 76ers is an easy task. It's not like losing to the Rockets or losing to the Wizards. Ooh, bogey with a nice, you know, barehanded grab to get the guy out at first. All right. I like to see that. But I don't know. I don't know. Let's just take a, you know, Tatum, 20 points in 35 minutes. Brown, 17 points in 33. Smart, 14 and 36. Kemba, 14 and 36. And everyone else with single digits. Let's look at the 76ers here. Um, 10 points in 34 minutes for Tobias Harris, who's one of the most overpaid players in the league. Holy shit. Um, Danny Green, 17 points in 24 minutes, 12 points in 36 minutes for Ben Simmons, and 35 points in 33 minutes for Joel Embiid. You can't guard him. It's just that simple. Who can? Excellent question, but still. That's just the difference there is, you know, they have a superstar on on their team in Joel Embiid, and you can argue Ben Simmons, sure, fine. Meanwhile, all you have is two all-stars. And you can argue Kemba's an all-star, not this year, but generally speaking, he's an all-star, sure. Jalen Brown is supposed to be the next guy, and you can't go out and get 20 points in 35 minutes if you're supposed to be the next guy. And I'm pretty sure this game was nationally televised on TNT, too. So you only put... You got to rise up to the occasion. Joel Embiid certainly did, and he's not afraid of it. But, I mean, move, look, let's look at the Celtics schedule here. They got the Knicks to, uh, today, actually, at 7.30 at home. Need to win that. Need to win that for, you know, standing-wise and just everything else that I can get into in a minute when I talk about the standings for the Celtics. Then they got the Timberwolves on Friday at 7.30, also at home got to win these next two games you got to walk away with two dubs to get yourself over 500 not just at 500 but over 500 then you go out on the west coast to denver portland lakers and then back home which i've kind of briefly talked about now that west coast trip but let's just bring the picture smaller we're looking at the big picture in the west coast but let's bring it smaller look at these next two games today 7 30 against the knicks got to win that game uh, Friday, 7.30 against the Timberwolves. 
Got to win that game. Now, the next game is going to be tough because they're a good team this year. They got a lot of good young talent. I mean, they're right there with you with the, um, in the Eastern Conference. Same exact record. Same 10 games behind first place. But you're only two games behind the four seed who are the Hawks right now. They're, both teams are 5-5 five and five in the last 10. Jeez, could this get any more identical? Um, they're both on a one-game losing streak, so there you go. But that you got to win that game. You really do because you can't let them win. Then you lose, and now you're just you know a game behind them. But then the Timberwolves, there's no excuse to lose to the Timberwolves. They are the worst team in basketball at 13 and 38. I mean, you cannot lose. There is no excuse to lose that game. If the Celtics lose that game to against the Timberwolves, I don't think I'm going to talk about the Celtics at all for the rest of the year unless they can get to the fourth seed somehow. That might be the only way that I talk about the Celtics again because you cannot go out and lose to the Bullets, the Washington Wizards. You cannot go out and lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You cannot go out and lose to the Detroit Pistons. Can't lose to the Rockets. You can't lose to the Kings. You can't lose to the Timberwolves and still hope to make a playoff run. Come on. Straighten it out. Figure it out. And the Rays are threatening right now with the runner on second. 2 uh, two, 2 count. Who's at the plate? I didn't even see. Oh, Sasugo's at the plate. Come on, Evaldi. Strike him out here. Strike him out. Strike him out. Strike him out. Ah, blooper to shallow left center. Hernandez throw to the plate. Doesn't get him. Damn. Oh, MLB said, and we're on the board. Like 20 seconds before that actually happened. <sighs> All right. Razor up one nothing. Razor up two, uh, one nothing. All right. Top of the third. Long game to go. Long game to go. But yeah, going back to the Celtics, man. I just, you you want them to do good. You want them to go out there and ball. And it's just disgusting that they got out onto a nice little start to start the year. They don't know, they're like, you know, 14 and like 7 or whatever the hell it was. And now they're fighting for a playoff spot. And they're losing to the bottom of the barrel teams in the NBA. If you're not upset, heated, disgusted, and furious about the Celtics and what they could have been this year, then I have to put your your um, fanhood for the Celtics in question. I have to. I'm sorry. Because if you were doing this podcast, whether it was with me or doing a podcast on your own, and you're not you know, blowing smoke about the Celtics, then I mean... Are you even a Celtics fan? Because winning is part of Boston sports. Winning in and Austin Meadows is going to get a hit. Ooh, nice catch. Hunter Renfro. Nice little sliding catch to end the inning. Ooh, that got by him. That was, that was going to be another run. But yeah, I mean, Boston sports fans, we want all of our teams to win. They all should win because they're all very good. I mean, you look at the Red Sox last year. They sucked. We were miserable. The Patriots, they sucked this year. We were miserable. Bruins, playing pretty good. Playing pretty good. And then the Celtics, things could be worse, but they're not playing all that great. So it's kind of kind of miserable. 
But definitely give me your thoughts about all that. If you reach out to me on Twitter and on Instagram at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for sports talk. And if you're watching on YouTube, like I'm watching the Sox game right now, leave a comment down below. Tell me what you think about the Bruins, the Celtics, the Red Sox, whatever it may be. I do have one more point to address. Because I'm going to cover all the Boston teams today. So we do have a Patriots topic to talk about, like I kind of alluded to earlier in the episode. And that's the rumor of Teddy Bridgewater to the Patriots. Yes, there is a rumor floating around the internet, the web, the grapevine, you know, in the cloud, whatever you want to call it. But there's that rumor out there and I want to address it. But before I do... Like I mentioned about giving me your thoughts about everything we've talked about so far, give me your thoughts really quickly, whether it's down in the comments below or reaching out to me via social media. Do you want Teddy Bridgewater on the Patriots next year as your quarterback or at least competing for the starting quarterback job? I just want to know because before I go into my thoughts and my take about it and if I would want him, I just want to hear about yours. I do. Pause the podcast, reach out to me on social media, pause the YouTube video, or just scroll down to the comments and just type away. I'll give you a brisk second. All right, so your brisk second is up. I think that was like a half a second that I gave you. And um, do I want Teddy Bridgewater on the Patriots next season? Uh, no, I don't. I think you can do better. And I think you should invest your money or your resources better because unless he is cut from the Carolina Panthers, you would have to trade for him. And I don't know if I want the Patriots to trade for him and take on that contract because trading for him would be probably relatively cheap. Maybe like a 5th, 6th, 7th round draft pick. I mean, probably a 7th round draft pick, to be honest. I mean, he's been replaced by Sam Darnold, which, you know, the Panthers trading for Sam Darnold is the reason why this conversation has even developed because the Panthers have traded with the Jets for quarterback Sam Darnold. So all the speculation out there of what the Jets are going to do with number 2 pick in the draft has been solved now we don't know who they're going to take we can only um think and assume that zach wilson is the number two guy the number two quarterback in the draft behind trevor lawrence who is going to go to the jaguars but we can assume that the jets were going to take zach wilson from byu he was the number two guy it seemed like a lot of rumors out there that the jets were going to take him and move on from sam Darnold. it's just where the question was were the jets going to move on from sam Darnold? And we do have a solution where the Panthers traded for him, like I mentioned. So Sam Darnold will be the starting quarterback in Carolina, which means Teddy Bridgewater is either going to be a backup or on the move. Now, in terms of 2021, the cap hit for Teddy Bridgewater as of right now in his contract is going to be $22.9 million, so almost $23 million. He signed a three-year, $63 million contract before the start of the 2020 season. You know, after a couple years in New Orleans, backing up Drew Brees, you know, able to kind of, you know, make a name for himself, kind of get himself back on track. When Drew Brees was out for a little bit um, in the 2019 season, he made five starts and he went 5-0. and oh. So, I mean, he can play. He's a, you know, a good quarterback, but you also have to keep in mind that he had Alvin Kamara, he had Michael Thomas around him, Jared Cook around him. So it's like, how good is Teddy Bridgewater? So we were able to get that uh, taste of how good he was last year, and he wasn't really that good. He wasn't really that good. The Panthers went 4-11 and last year. Um, 
well, his record as the quarterback, I should say, for the Panthers in 2020 was four and eleven. The team as a whole went five and eleven. So, but he has Christian McCaffrey, who is also injured for a little bit. I mean, Robbie Anderson's down there, who's a good receiver as well. But he's no Michael Thomas, and they also have Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, but they're all no Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara's. But you could make that argument for Christian McCaffrey being the best running back in the league, or arguably the best running back. So does that mean I want Teddy Bridgewater on the Patriots? And I, I originally said no, and I still stand by that. I really do, because I think he's nothing more than just a backup at this point. He's a good backup if you need a long-term uh solution right so say your starter goes down you can plug him in for a few games he's gonna he's gonna go what you know three and one you know four and two in in the absence of your starter but I think that's it I think that's the best you're gonna get out of him and we saw him in a full season going four and eleven and the team as a whole going five and eleven I just I don't think he's worth the money and then next year his cap it's gonna be 26 million dollars it's just not worth it absolutely not worth it no Thank you. Now, if he's cut and released from the Panthers, obviously he's going to be a much cheaper option. At that point, would I want him in? Sure. I would consider it. I would still consider him competing in with Cam and Stidham. But nonetheless, nonetheless, no matter what, I still want the Patriots to bring in a rookie quarterback. Because Stidham, I don't think, is the guy... I don't think Bill thinks he's the guy, and I'm sure you don't think he's the guy. Cam Newton's certainly not the future of the team because he's now signing his second one-year contract with the Patriots. And there's a lot of rumors that Cam could be on the move, he could be uh, released or traded even after signing an extension, or not even an extension, re-signing with the Patriots. And I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater is worth that money. I mean, are you really going to pay more for Teddy Bridgewater to back up Cam Newton if Cam Newton's the starter? I don't think so, and I think now if you have Cam Newton on the team, I think a lot of people would rather have Cam Newton be the starting quarterback over Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy Bridgewater does do some things nicely that you could, uh, you know, convince yourself of him being a pretty good quarterback. You know, he doesn't turn the ball over all too much. He has a good pa- uh, pass completion percentage, and he's a safe thrower like he's not going to put the ball into traffic he's going to find the open guy the safe route you know pick up the yards that the defense is giving him which is all nice but he doesn't take many chances which could be a downside he doesn't throw too many touchdowns which could be a downside so these are some things you have to consider now he can throw the ball a hell of a lot better than cam newton so there's a conversation to be had but the only way i would consider teddy bridgewater to be a potential quarterback of the new england patriots is if the panthers release him which they absolutely could but then they're going to incur a debt cap of $20 million for this year and then $5 million next year, the Panthers would. Is it worth it if they can't find a trade partner for him? Probably because, you know, they're hitting, I don't want to say a hard reset in Carolina, but a reset nonetheless. And with them trading for Sam Darnold this year, they'll have a new quarterback at the helm. They'll still have the receivers that they have except Curtis Samuel. And they also have the, what pick is it? Uh, The eighth pick in the draft. So they could either use some resources to kind of move up and get somebody, or they could stay pat and bring in somebody to help them on either side of the ball. Now, last year, the Panthers used all their draft picks on defensive players to kind of rebuild that defense, which was okay last year. And their offense sucked. So you could probably expect them to use that pick on offense this year. 
Could see Kyle Pitts go to Carolina. If he's still on the board, you could see a wide receiver, if they're still on the board, go to Carolina, which would be a nice fit, after, especially after losing Curtis Samuel. So it would kind of throw him alongside Robbie Anderson. We're just going to have to wait and see. This is all a wait and see. But ultimately, at the end of the day, do I want Teddy Bridgewater on the Patriots? My answer is no. If you can bring him in cheap, if he is released from the Panthers, we can have a conversation about it, and I will consider it. I don't think I want Teddy Bridgewater as my starting quarterback. I kind of rather have Cam at this point just because he knows the system a little bit better. He has one full year in the system under his belt. Hopefully, he can make improvements to become a better thrower and take care of the ball better and kind of come back into that, you know, that quote-unquote cam form that he was, you know, a few years ago. I don't expect him to be the same quarterback he was a few years ago, but something comparable. I mean, you're going to be paying him $14 million this year, so you need to get some form of good play from him. And like I said, that's why I want the Patriots to draft a quarterback as well because I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a long-term solution. Jared Stidham isn't, and neither is Cam Newton. If you can, whether it's in the first round, move up, or draft a quarterback if there happens to be one there, go for it. If you have to wait for the second round, that's fine with me as well. But as we get closer and closer to the draft, we're going to be t- start talking about the draft more, and not just in terms of the Patriots, but the league as a whole, because we've obviously already seen a lot of movement. 49ers, Dolphins, Eagles, the the uh, not the Patriots, the Panthers made a trade not involving the first round draft pick, but just a trade in general, which before the Sam before they acquired Sam Donald, you could argue that they need a quarterback as well. Now they have their quarterbacks, so they don't need one anymore. Just a lot of discussion, a lot of conversation to be had leading up to April 29th when the trade is. Uh, looking back over at the Red Sox, still can't generate any offense at the moment right now. I. Uh, just they just went to commercial break, so I didn't get to see what the score or the situation was because I was, you know, looking on another tab talking about the uh, Patriots and the draft or such. But I definitely kind of want to give you an update before I do end this podcast about the Sox. Oh, look at that! They're back, and it's still zero zero right now as we enter the top of the fourth inning. And just something I kind of want to mention really quickly is they have a poll here on uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, the question is, who will win the AL Rookie of the Year this season? And the options are Randy Rosarena from the Rays, Wander Franco from the Rays, Jared Kalenic from the Seattle Mariners, and Ryan Mountcastle from the Orioles. Where's Bobby Dahlback? Is he not a legitimate option? <laughs> I mean, I obviously the, all four of those guys could win it, but <laughs> the neglection... To not put Bobby Dahl back when you're clearly airing the Red Sox, who just got the out at first base, you know, making a nice stretch there. Is excuse me, like, I mean, Wander Franco's not even playing right now, so I, I just don't understand how you could throw him on there. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> a little disgusted right now, actually, with that. I mean, I can't see why he's not on there. I mean. He was Fox's you know, fan prediction to win the AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, he's my prediction to win the Rookie of the Year. Hey, yo, YouTube, MLB YouTube, you got to put Bobby Dahl back on there. I don't know if they heard me. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for enjoying me for this episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I greatly appreciate every download, listen, and enjoyment from all of you out there. 
I cannot mention and stress it enough how appreciative I am. We are on our way to 2,000 downloads now. It just seems like yesterday or like a week ago we were at 1,000. Can't wait for 2,000. Just all the love and support has been absolutely phenomenal. So thank you so much. Whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, Amazon Music, whatever it may be. Thank you so much. And like I said, if you're only listening on audio-only platforms, reach out to me on social media at Merce underscore Boston ST. Or if you're watching on YouTube, like I'm watching the Sox right now, reach out to me in the comment section down below. I'd love to hear what you have to say. And also, if you happen to be watching this uh, you, this podcast on YouTube, please, please leave a like rating on this video if you enjoyed it. That would mean so much to me as well. But please enjoy the rest of your hump day, which is Wednesday today. The weather is so beautiful outside. It's so beautiful outside. And it's good to actually wrap up this episode so I can go outside and enjoy the beautiful, fresh spring air. Until Friday's episode, until the end of the week, guys, I will catch you in the next one. But as always, you know I love you. See ya. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.